us deeper into the plans that you have for our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, it wouldn't be my voice that's heard as well today, but rather, Lord, you could have a conversation with each person here where you're able to speak to them and lead them in the way everlasting. So, Lord, we give you this space. We recognize, Jesus, that you are king here, and we want to learn from you and be led by you, and we honor you, and we pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? Well, it's been a, a great start to the morning so far. Welcome. If you're uh, new here, my name's Dean, and it's, uh, it's great to have you. And uh, we are in the second week of a, a series we're doing, looking at uh, a book of the Bible called First John, and we're in this series called Real. And this is a letter that a guy named John who had walked with Jesus and uh, knew Jesus personally, had hung out with him and uh, been, been everywhere with him. It's a letter that he wrote to some of the early followers of Jesus, a church not unlike us here. And he's writing this letter for this purpose of helping them understand what it really means to follow Jesus, what real faith kind of looks like, and how to, how to tell what's fake from what's real. Now, I know one of the, the uh, introductions in my life I had to kind of seeing the difference between real and, you know, kind of fake versions of things. Uh, one of the, the kind of first forays for me into that realm was probably when I was about 12 or 13 years old, and it was, uh, it was kind of a, a fashion thing. And uh, it, this was about, you know, 1991, maybe 92, early 90s. How many people kind of remember the fad, or you've seen it on TV, you know, where everything became about like big, baggy, loud colored pants? I'm talking hammer pants, you know? And, uh, you know, if you need to do a little research, if you're a bit younger, uh, every episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is on Netflix. So if you need to do some research to, to kind of find out about this, you can find more there and some documentary types of things. And, but these pants became really popular, and it was sort of like, you know, if you don't have these pants, then you are kind of missing the boat. And one of the, the particular brands of them was, uh, at least where I was, it was very popular, is they were uh, called Skids. And Skids was just like the clothing manufacturer, the brand name. And, but it kind of became also sort of the, the, one of the just kind of loose names we'd use. Yeah, have you got some Skids? And it meant, you know, big, loud, baggy. Skids also came in the ever popular overalls version. At one time, it was only cool to wear overalls from the ages of like two to five. But for a few years in the early 90s, it was suddenly okay for everyone to wear overalls. And not just any overalls, you know, big, loud, whatever. And, but I wanted a pair of these. I told my mom, if I don't have some skids to wear to school, then I won't be able to study. I won't be able to get a good education or a good job someday. And so I was able, okay, you need some of these pants. So we went out and we got some of these pants. And, and I got some, like, sweet, okay, now I've got big, loud, noisy pants. Now I can be, I'm going to be all right. And so I started wearing them, and one of my friends like, oh, those are pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, I got some skids, man, you know, got some skids. And he's looking at them, and he's like, let me see. And he looks around, he's like, those aren't skids. I'm like, yeah, these are skids, man. They're skids. It's all skids, right? Whatever, it's bright, it's colorful. He's like, nah, those aren't real. Those are fake. And he's looking at them because the skids were called skids because their brand, their tag, their logo was like, you know, the car that skids on the road street sign, the kind of warning you might skid here. That was like the brand. So he's looking for the skid sticker, and there's no skid sticker. And I'm like, 
Uh, for real, that matters. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that mattered. My mom just said the ones with that little sticker are really expensive, and these ones are not. So I realized that what I have were not authentic. They weren't the real thing. You see, the thing about authentic things, they're often costly to begin with. But what I, I, I realized in that moment, like, well, there's a distinct difference. And people are, are they, they were watching for what's real and they were going to check. Now, here's the thing. When you kind of look at this, whether it's fashion or gear or stuff you're going to buy in a market somewhere that might be a knockoff version, there's always a, some kind of sticker, some kind of emblem, some kind of indicator that something is real. Everything that's real kind of has a, a, a something, you know, that, that if it's its thing, it's got a sticker on it, it's got a logo, it's got a tag, it's got something that says, yeah, these two things might look the same, but there's something that's stuck on it that says, but this one's real. That one's, you know, it's kind of a, a knockoff. It was also an age of life I realized I would not be an early adopter when it came to fashion. That what I would have to do, what I was being sentenced to, was to find the knockoff versions or the real thing once it became so cheap that it hit the clearance aisles. So, but here's the thing. There's always, there's always some kind of indicator what's real. And this series we talked about, you know, John's trying to help him understand what's real. And today the thing we're going to look at that he's going to help him see is what is the mark, what is the sticker, what is the emblem on the life of a Christ follower that lets you know this is real. This is authentic. This is the real deal. Uh, what is it? Because it's possible that things look a little bit similar from a distance, but that up close, when you look, what would that thing be? You might be someone who is a, a say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus. Maybe there's been times you've wondered about yourself. Am I the real thing? I'm not everything I hoped I'd be. Is this really what it looks like? Or you may be somebody, you know, you've never said, hey, I'm a follower, but you look around and you're just trying to figure out a workout, you know, what, what does it really mean? Like, what's the real deal of what it looks like? And, and, and here, what we're gonna, last week we, we looked at in First John chapter 1, one of the things that he kind of helps him know is, you know what, to be real doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean you never mess up, but it does mean you're willing to acknowledge your shortcomings and to walk in the light with God and with others. And today we're going to look at a, another chapter where he's going to speak specifically about how do you know? How do you know? What's the indicator? First John chapter 2, let's dive in. He says this. He says, we know that we have come to know him. We know that we've come to know Jesus if we keep his commands. He says, we know we've come to know him. We know it's a real connection. It's a real relationship. You're a real follower if we keep his commands. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. It's an imposter. It's a knockoff. The truth is not in that person. The person who says, I know him, but doesn't do what he says. But if anybody obeys his word, then love for God. It's, it's truly made complete. It's authentic. It's made full and complete in them. This is how we know. This is the sticker. This is the mark. This is the thing that lets us know we are really in him. Whoever claims to live in him, to live in Jesus, to know him, to follow him, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Some translations put it, walk as Jesus walked. 
that the one sticker, and here's what I love about this chapter, is John's going to say that here's the sticker, here's the indicator, is that if you want to be a real follower, you've got to walk like Jesus walked. He says you've got to obey and keep his commands. Now that feels like, whoa. So to be real, like I got to walk like Jesus walked. I got to live like Jesus. Did. I mean, this is Jesus. He was perfect. Like I, I got to live like him and do everything like, like he did really to be. Now, here's what we know. He does not mean you're going to do all these things perfectly. Again, if you hear last week, we, John is really clear that like you're not going to be perfect. But what you are called to do is acknowledge when you uh, get it wrong and when you do the wrong thing. And when there's what he call, the Bible calls sin in our lives, we confess that to God. And then we walk with God and with others. And we let God show us the, the, the things that are off in our lives. So it's not about saying you're going to, so this, this command to say the real Real followers are going to walk like Jesus. It doesn't mean, yep, if you don't walk exactly like him, then that's it, you're out. No, we know John's got a bigger picture in mind. So what is he trying to get at here? What does it mean that we gotta, we got to live as Jesus lived? Do we have to be, you know, we got to, you know, dress like he did, shoes like he did. You know what's, what, what he's trying to get at here? Real followers are people who have made up their mind to do just that, to follow Jesus. You know, he says we got to walk as Jesus walked. You know, one of the things that we don't, you won't often hear us actually talk about here at True North, and sometimes people may find this kind of odd, but we don't talk a lot about what it means to be a Christian. You won't even hear us talk a lot about, yeah, you should become a Christian. Because the reality is what Jesus invited us to do is not to become a Christian. He invited us to come follow him. He literally says, and, and, and when Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't mean it kind of, even when he said it to his first disciples, he wasn't saying it to them sort of like metaphorically, like, yeah, just think that I'm important. He was saying, literally, get behind me and start walking after me. And if you walk behind me long enough, you're going to learn my walk. You're going to learn how I walk, and you're going to learn to do things the way I do them. You're going to learn to walk and live like I live and walk like I walk. We are, we are called, I mean, the, 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 you know, it's possible. I, I was having a conversation. I have these conversations with some frequency. This is one last week, but I tell you, I've had this conversation with so many people. There was a couple, and they were, uh, they were older, and they happened to be around for a baby dedication at our other campus. And, and we were chatting for a minute, and they said, uh, and I said, oh, do you, they were kind of talking some things about the Bible and God and asking questions about the church and, you know, how young we all were and things like that. And you know, I just thought like, I was so young, and actually it was not about me but others, but I was trying to jump in on that and asking questions. And, you know, what's the I'm like, oh, do you go to church somewhere? Oh, no, we don't go to church, but we're Christians, and, and we might be what you might call uh, a lapsed, you know, kind of Anglican. When we were kids, we went to church, and but, she said, but uh, we've always strived to, to follow the Ten Commandments. We live by that. And, you know, because we're, because we're Christians. And I was chatting to him and I said, you know what, there's something better than, than being a Christian or living by those rules. And he said, what? And I said, it's actually walking with Jesus. And I said, it's, I said, I tell you what, you should, and I invited him to Alpha and I told him about the series. And I said, oh, you'll find something way better and you'll be, uh, I said, this is so much better. And, and, and here's the thing, because just a Christian, I mean, this was a word that, no, no one ever called themselves in the Bible, like followers of Jesus never called themselves Christians. It was other people who put that label onto them who said, we see you're trying to be like Jesus. You're a little mini Christ. That's what it means. You're trying to be like him. 
for us, I do think what we've got to remember is, you know how you know you're really in Christ? You start trying to follow after him. Real followers focus more on walking than talking. Focus more on, am I walking, living like Jesus lived, or am I just talking about some good things I read in a book a long time ago? You know, one of the things that I am passionate about, one of the things I love to, I watch movies, I look at blogs, I look at pictures. I, I, I love reading and learning about healthy eating. I literally do. I get on blogs, I, I, I read about it. I've read, I watch all the documentaries. Does anybody love to watch, like, documentaries about healthy eating and food and stuff? You know, like Food Inc. Anybody ever watch Food Inc. or Forks Over Knives? Like, you know, um, whatever. Like, I love watching the documentaries, and I, I watch them, and I get all fired up about how important these things are. I've watched, like, every show that Jamie Oliver has ever put out, and he's so passionate about, like, healthy food and its difference in your life. And I watched, like, every episode of Ministry of the Food, and I bought the book, and I love the concepts in it. I love, like, looking at pictures. And if you and I met at a party and we started to talk about healthy eating, I could talk all the lingo with you. I could tell you why gluten is so bad and how it's really a self-defense system and wheat that we as people have just tried to cultivate it out of it. But fundamentally, wheat wants to kill you because you're a predator in its life. Like, I know the lingo. I know all about it. I'm passionate about it. There's only one challenge. I'm not passionate about healthy eating. <laughs> I'm passionate to learn about it. I like to watch the documentaries. I love to read the blogs. I love to look at everything. But if you spent a week with me and you said, hey, let me just watch you actually eat for a week, you'd begin to say, is all that passion turning into any kind of healthy eating? You said you want to catch up. How come we keep meeting at McDonald's? If you watched, like, the documentary, I mean, you saw what Jamie Oliver showed what those chicken nuggets are in a washing machine. They were pink and gross. I mean, I know all about it. I could talk the lingo. I genuinely get excited about it. I just don't find it appetizing. I just don't. It's just the reality is I love the thought. I love the idea of going to my closet, pulling out a bag of kale chips and thinking that's a great idea. <laughs> but in practice, two for one Smith is a whole lot better. Here's the thing. What John's saying is like, look, anybody, you know what it means? Like you got to walk like Jesus walked. Anybody could get excited about learning some stuff. Anybody can get excited and pick up some lingo and, oh, I can talk the lingo. I know everything about. You know, one of the things that I think John is trying, he's like, don't, don't think that what makes you a real follower is you learned a bunch of stuff. Is you got excited even maybe about something. Or you learned all about something. That doesn't make you a real follower. Oh, I learned some big words. I read some books. I looked at some blogs. I downloaded 10 podcasts last week. That doesn't make us real. Real is, does this translate into how I'm walking? And he says real followers, it's like they, they're, 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 re, they're looking at Jesus, they're in Jesus, and there is something about them that they start to actually walk differently. You don't just get excited about healthy food. It starts to have an impact on how I'm actually eating. You don't just learn about Jesus and some great big giant words about, you know, faith. And now I can throw them around. And it maybe impresses somebody at a party how much I've learned and know. But no, rather, am I beginning to look like Jesus in the way I live? 
And John goes on and he's going to get real specific about actually, now what does this look, and what exactly, what parts of walking like Jesus are, are key in this. And John is going to drill down and say, it's real, he's going to put a real fine tip on this. And he says it like this a few verses later, verse 9, he says, he says, look, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. It's not real. Saying, yeah, I'm following Jesus, but if I am not, if I'm saying, yeah, I'm a real follower, I'm in the light, I'm following Jesus, but I'm hating a brother or sister, then you're still in the dark. He says anyone who loves their brother and sister, then they live in the light. It's real. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. They're going to walk, they're going to walk a good walk. They're going to follow after Jesus. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness. They walk around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Do you know what he says is at the core of this walk after Jesus? It's kind of what is real here, what's light, what's dark, is do you love your brother and sister or do you hate them? Now, it's kind of helpful to realize he talks about loving your brother and sister. He's in mind in particular here speaking about uh, believers. As we said, he's writing to a church. He's writing to a group of believers. And there are some of them who have begun to kind of, Say, hey, we learned some stuff. We learned some big words and some deep philosophy. And we got some special knowledge and things that are, you know, really a little bit more advanced that maybe some of you guys really wouldn't understand back there. And so we're kind of growing in all this. And uh, that we don't need to kind of even do some of those things anymore. That's what's happened. There's a group. And some of their knowledge and all their learning and how much they knew and everything that they were reading on blogs and figuring out and all those things. They were kind of had adopted a little bit of philosophy where it didn't matter a ton how they actually treated their brother or sister. Their philosophy made it possible for them to say, it doesn't really matter whether I care for them or not or how I, how I treat them. And John says, look, if you say you're in the light, it's going to show up in whether or not you love your brother or sister. It's going to show up in how you treat them. And if you hate them, no matter how much you learned and thought you knew and how far along you imagined you might have been, he says, then you're still in the dark. You might even know a bunch of big words. You might be able to throw some stuff around at a party. But if you do not love your brother or sister, then you are in the dark. Now, I think this is so kind of, you know, we can read this. I, I think this phrase as well in particular. It's sort of like, yes, I can do that. I mean, here we are, we're all in a room, and we could be like, you know, I do, I love my brothers and sisters. I mean, I could stay here right now, and I'll kind of go around, and if I see people I know, I can sort of value, do I love you or hate you, you know? And I just go around, and I'm, I'm just kind of doing it quickly in my head, and <laughs> just making a, I invite you to do the same later. And um, <laughs> but here's the thing, you're not talking about like, hey, do I feel good when I look at you? I mean, we're probably all like, yeah, we could definitely love one another. And probably all of us go, I don't hate anyone. I'm definitely winning on this one. I don't hate anyone. Hate's a strong word after all. But one of the things we've got to realize is this. In the scriptures, in the New Testament, we, we kind of think love, hate. Do I feel warm feelings when I think about you or look at you? Do I feel warm and fuzzy on the inside? Well, then I love you. And do I, uh, you know, do I hate you? I only hate you if I'm like, I've got these venomous, you know, kind of. Feelings, we're like, well, I don't have any of that. So no, one of the things we got to wrestle with is, 
He is intensely practical here in what it means to love or hate your brother and sister. He's not talking about do you have some warm feelings on the inside or cold feelings on the inside. He's talking about how do you actually treat your brother or sister. You know, in the Bible it says that this is what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, which you've heard if you've ever been to a wedding. And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient. Love is kind. So we're all like, yeah, we should love one another. Boom, we can all get on board with that. We fill in the blanks and we go back. Okay, so wait, um, you know, John says, anyone who is patient with their brother is in the light. Anyone who is impatient with their brother or sister is in the darkness. That's not quite as nice. <laughs> like, really? I can't be impatient. Anyone who's not kind? If you're kind, you're in the light. If you're unkind, you're in the dark. He says love doesn't envy. Love doesn't look at what someone else got and think, man, I wish I had that for myself. Love doesn't, you know, find out that, the, you know, a, a friend got a promotion and, or got a new job or got a new house or got a new whatever, a, you know, a bigger screen TV than was even possible before. It's a thousand centimeter TV, you know, like in love doesn't go, man, I wish I had that. That's not fair. I wonder why they always get everything. Love celebrates. Love wants good for another. It doesn't boast. It's not thinking, oh, look how. It's not proud. It's not focused on itself. It doesn't dishonor others. How about that? You know, if we love one another, we honor one another. In all our conversation, we talk about one another in ways that lift the other up and honor them as though they were valuable and important goes out of its way because if you dishonor, if you talk about ways that don't actually lift one another up and dishonor, then it's not love. Love is not self-seeking. It's not about me. It's not easily angered. Ouch. <laughs> Keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, man. So if I'm holding any record of wrongs, I'm in the dark. I'm hating. This is what the scriptures teach. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. That's love. You know, whoever protects their brother or sister, they are in the light. It always trusts. Whoever trusts their brother or sister, they're always in the light. Whoever hopes for them perseveres. This is what love looks like. Now, I just bring all, all that to us to say, do you, do you know, whether or not we are real, this is the train of thought. How do you know if you're a real follower of Jesus, you will love one another, you'll love your brother and sister. And that love will not be kind of this airy-fairy up in the sky, that's kind of nice. It will be a nitty-gritty, this is how I, how I am patient, how I am kind, how I don't envy, how I always protect, how I try to honor others. It will work itself out in nitty-gritty ways that have real teeth. Real stuff happens. It will shape the ways we relate to one another. It will shape the kind of people we are. Real followers, they, they, they love one another in intensely practical ways. Intensely daily kinds of ways. You know, John says that's, that's what's going to be at the core of it. You want to know how you know who's real. There, there's going to be this love for one another. And, and one of the things I love about this um, about this whole chapter, I encourage you to read First John, the whole chapter uh, this week. But one of the great things, he's writing this letter to believers, and he's writing this to tell people, you've got it. It's not complicated. 
don't let somebody distract you. And I want you to know if you're someone who has set out to follow Jesus and sometimes you wonder, do I know enough? Am I clever enough? Have I got it? This is what's at the core of it all. Are you becoming a more loving person? And John writes this to him because he's going, this is it. You had it from the beginning. You got it. Keep going in it. And then he's going to go on to those believers who he's encouraging. And he says to them, this is one of the things that will take you away from it. This is one of the things that could distract you, that could take you off course. He says, look, don't love. So you're going to love one another, but don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now this verse is here, he's trying to help them understand what will be one of the greatest distractions to authentic, real love. It's a counterfeit love, and it's what he calls the love of the world. Now, loving the world here, he's not talking about, like, don't love planet Earth or this is some excuse to not, you know, care for the environment or anything. What he's talking about, the world, he describes, he says, everything in the world. And he uses these three phrases. Go back for one minute to that, uh, those verses. He talks about these phrases, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the things in the world. And they don't come from the Father. Those things come from the world. Now, what I love about this is he's trying to help us recognize counterfeit love. This is the stuff that's not real. And it looks like this. It looks like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you know what the difference between lust and love is? Is that love says I am focused on you and your good and not myself. And lust always is focused on me. It's always focused on self. He talks about the lust of the flesh. When you think about this in a, uh, you know, sort of a, a sensual or sexualized context. He's saying, look, the lust of the flesh. Do you know what? what the real problem with lusting in this world is. You know, we live in a highly sexualized world, and there's probably more sex and nudity in TV or movies or, you know, just kind of, it's a very sexualized world. And a lot of the world probably would look at followers of Jesus and say, oh, you're so old-fashioned. You're such goody-goodies. What's the big deal? It's no big deal to kind of have all this stuff everywhere. You know, it's just, you know, bodies or this or that. The problem is not seeing a, you know, a naked body, something God created. The problem is when it's in a, a lustful context, you're not thinking about the other person and their good. You're only thinking of yourself. And so when we allow ourselves to fall into the, what he calls here the lust of the flesh and to, to fan those kinds of things, we're actually becoming people who are far more self-focused. And that is the opposite of what it looks like to live in the light. So he says, don't get fooled by counterfeit love. All that stuff is fake. Real love thinks about the other person, not yourself. And then he talks about the lust of the, of the eyes. And a lot of commentators look at it and say it's kind of that lusting after the material things of life. You know, it's, this is kind of a real quick little money, sex, and power section that he throws in. And when he talks about don't, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust for more wealth, that, that ultimately is a lust after what can I have and what can my life have into it. And to, to, to pursue and have a lusting after riches and materialism, it's not from the Father. Likewise, doesn't mean that money's bad and we can't, you know, we got to move to the desert and never use money and we can't ever be a part of that. But it means we don't lust after those things. We don't think, how can I get more of that for me? We think, how can I love others? How can I use those things to make this world a greater place, to live a life that is focused on the 
other, not myself. The pride of life he talks about. You know what the pride of life is? doesn't mean you shouldn't be proud of who you are. You know, if my son comes home and he's like, look, I got a gold commendation. I'm so proud. And I'm like, don't you be proud. You know, 1 John 2, verse 17, don't be proud of that gold. Give me that gold commendation and I will. I, I, my wife corrected me. Don't worry. It's like, no. No, it doesn't mean that we, we can't be happy, but the pride of life is an orientation in life that says it's all about me and my accomplishments. What can I do? What name can I make for myself? You know, how can I meet all these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all share in common. They are about me, me, me. Who can I be? How can I show? You know, that. And John says, real followers, they love one another. They are focused on the other and not on mine. This is what it looks like to be real. This is what it looks like to be a real follower of Jesus. Are we becoming more and more people focused on the other, on real love? Or are we people who become more focused on ourselves? Every time I'm impatient or easily angered at someone, it's usually a reflection of my focus on myself. But love is kind. Love is patient. It's not easily angered. It's not self-seeking. Real followers, they recognize counterfeit love, and we realize when we're becoming self-seeking instead of seeking for others, loving others. And John then kind of pulls all this together, and I love how he, 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 he's just talking about what's real, what's real. And one of the ways he starts to summarize all this towards the end of this chapter, he says, as for you, you who want to follow Jesus, he says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. I love this. What he's going to say to these followers who want to be real, they want to follow Jesus. He's like, look, just what you started with, what you heard from the beginning. Don't go looking for some shiny new thinking, hey, if we figure this out or do it. No, just let it remain in you. Love God and love people. You know, let it remain in you. This is who Jesus is, the son who came from the father, died for us, rose again, washed away our sins, freeing us to now love God and love one another. He says, let that just remain in you. Stick with that. It's not complicated. You don't need to get a, a Ph.D. to keep going forward in this. Just remain in it. And this is what he promised us. He says he promised us eternal life. That now when you live that kind of life, you will lead to a life that flourishes now and on into eternity. When you choose self-focused lust in all these different ways we can, it does not lead to eternal life. But a life of loving the other and remaining in Christ, it leads to eternal life. You flourish. It's what you were made for. He says, I'm writing these things to you. This is why he wrote this letter about those who are trying to lead you astray. They're trying to help you move towards a counterfeit. They're trying to help you move towards a fake. He says, no, nah, no, nah, don't get taken in. That's not the real thing. He says, for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. His whole point here was there was all these teachers going, no, 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 we found we found, like, more important stuff, deeper stuff, more special stuff. You don't get it, but we get it. Let us try and teach you. John says, no, just stick with what you know. Keep it simple. Love God and become a loving person. Trust what God has taught you. Let it remain in you. Don't get turned to the left or the right. He says, but just as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Remain in him. 
So much of what it means to really follow Christ is just to keep going on that course. Not to think there's some other shortcut, not to think there's some other kind of bigger deal that somehow you're missing out on. It's to actually just remain in what he's called us. In 28, he says, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, when Jesus returns, we could be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Because if you know that he is righteous, then you know everyone who does right, what is right, has been born of him. You know, I love the way he finishes because I think what, what he's kind of drilling into is just like keep it simple. John's writing because there's people coming up with all kind of crazy complex excuses and ways to live kind of a not quite real following Christ. And John says keep it simple. Stick with what you started on. Keep following that path. Keep loving God and keep loving one another. Because if we do that, you know what the real, the real mark, the real sticker, the real brand is not how much do you know. It's not kind of how much have you learned. Not how many podcasts you listen to or books you read or, or big words you learned or anything like that. He says what's real and what's the stamp, how you know you remain in him, is you become more loving. Like that's what the world's looking for to know. Is this real? Is this Jesus thing real? And where are they going to find it? Where are they going to look? Is they going to look at how we love or don't love one another? On the uh, last week, I had a few guys around to watch the NBA playoffs. The playoffs are on, and uh, God cares about the NBA playoffs, and it's worth mentioning here. Also worth mentioning that proper love for someone during the NBA playoffs is that prior to talking about the outcome of any game, you always ask that person if they've seen that game. And so that's one way you could love me uh, this next few weeks. I've had, I was just, uh, it's just kind of a, I felt like that'll help. So if you're like, hey, did you know so-and-so won? I'll be like, no, I didn't see that game. But you could really love me if you ask me first before you tell me the score. Um, so I had some, anyway, that's the end of the message. Thank you. Just kidding. That was the final application. Remain in Jesus. Make sure you love your pastor. Don't tell him who won the game until you know if he watched it. I, I think people think I don't actually work. Because they're always like, why didn't you watch it this morning? I'm like, I do more than just Sundays. You know, like. Just kind of a, anyways. Not easily angered. Not easily angered. Patient. Kind. Right. Thank you, brother, for the score update. Anyway. So I had some people over, watching the playoffs, made it told they didn't know the score. And I, no, this, this, so anyway, watching the game, had a few friends over. One of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the guys who also then dropped in, my neighbor dropped by to watch the games. Or we were watching the games, he dropped in. And uh, my neighbor is uh, a few years older than myself. He's a Muslim guy. Time to time we get to have some cool chats about faith. But he ended up just kind of hanging out. Uh, for a long time with us all, watching the games. One of the other guys dropped by towards the end of the night after youth was our, our youth pastor, Riley Turner. And Riley uh, was there. And uh, we were all just kind of hanging out after a while the game had ended. We were just kind of chatting a bit of this and a bit of that. Riley ended up getting ready to, to leave. or it was, near, it was getting near that point. And, and, uh, and my neighbor said to him, you know, how old are you? And Riley's like, 21. And, uh, and he's like, wow. And he, and he said, you are so different than the other 21-year-olds I see. And he said, you know, I, you know, every 21, he's like, you know, I see 21-year-olds and they're 
they're, they're just, they're drinking, they're aggro, they're angry, they're fighting, they're, they're doing this, they're doing that. He said, you are so much different than all the other 21-year-olds I see. And I said to my neighbor, and I said, do you know what that difference is? And, and I said, that's, he's like, he just looks at me, I said, that's Jesus. And he said, and he kind of just still, I'm like, that's Jesus. That's the difference Jesus has made in his life. So I'm like, apart from Jesus, Riley is all of those things. <laughs> and more. <laughs> and I told him that. And we all laughed, and we laughed because it's true. Apart from Jesus, I'm all those things. Apart from Jesus, you're all those things. And the thing that ends up helping people know if something has really happened in our life is do we become a more loving person. And what I loved about that moment is, man, we could think like loving, oh, this is so big. And my loving is so out. You know what? Somehow, and it wasn't even that long, in 10 minutes of being just around him, watching how he carries himself, watching how he talks or interacts with other people, he could tell there is something radically different. Love isn't a big abstract kind of so hard to get to. Love shows up in how we end up carrying ourselves. It just shows up. It shows up in our expression. It shows up in our demeanor. It shows up in just how we walk. How we walk. And the thing that will help this world know, is it real? The thing that we got to ask ourselves, man, am I really, am I becoming who Jesus Am I really in it? Am I really... If you've ever, oh, I don't know a lot, I don't, this, that, you know, with the, old, the thing that matters, the thing that shows you is real, is you becoming a more loving person. That's real following. And my prayer and my hope for every one of us who aspires to be a Jesus follower is that we will become more loving people. I, I hope and wish that if somebody was around me for 10 or 15 minutes, there would be something about my entire countenance, my demeanor, the way I'm interacting with people that someone can just say, you are not like the other 21-year-olds that I know. <laughs> Again, they've only met me for 10 minutes, so they assume. You are not like the other 25-year-olds that I have met. That's what it's about. Are we becoming more loving people, is it showing up in the way we walk. I'm going to invite the team up, and uh, we're going to sing uh, one more song together. In fact, I want to have you stand. Could you just stand with me? And um, I want to just pray for us today. And I want to pray for anyone in particular uh, who... You just know, man, I want that. Uh, one, I want you to know this. That First John, and this chapter even in particular, I, I love it because it's an encouragement. So if you hear nothing else today, I, I hope that there's probably someone here. I just want, and you maybe feel like you don't measure up or I'm not sure. If you are, are, if you are remaining in that love, you got it. That's the real thing. Not going to be perfect. So keep going. Remain in it. Let him keep, let Jesus keep doing his work in you. You're not there yet, that's why you remain the bi or abide some. So stay in it, stay in it and stay with him. And he's going to keep on shaping you and you're going to become a more loving person over time. That's how it works. There's no shortcut, there's no secret answer, there's no kind of hidden chapter. It's just remain in it, remain in him. Stay connected to him. He'll make you more loving.
And, and I want to be able to pray those well. If, there, if you're here today and you just think, man, I want more of that. I want to walk like Jesus walked. I want him to keep refining me. I want to become more loving. You might not even be sure that you believe all this Jesus stuff anyway, but there's something in you that just goes, I know I want that kind of life. I know I want to be a more loving person. I'd love to pray for you today in that. But if you're here and you just think, man, Lord, would you help me to walk like Jesus walked, to love like Jesus loved, and to let these things become just real and more in my life, then I want to just pray for you. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, and if you know you just want that, want to be a part of that prayer, can you just lift your hand up? Just hold it up. I just want to pray for you and just pray that God would do his work in you.